Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Movie Grouch and Fanboy Podcast. My name is Bex. I am a big old movie grouch. And here with me this evening is the resident fanboy. It's Blake. Bonjour. Oh, French Blake is here. No, no, he's not. Oh, he's not? No. We hope you're well and we hope you are feeling buoyant. I think buoyant is probably, I don't know. We just hope you're all right with all this nonsense. World ending. Yeah, I think, yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. We had a little uh, moan about it yesterday, and uh, balance seems to have been restored to the universe today, so that's quite good. Yeah. Thank you very much for the shares and the likes and the reviews. Um, Please keep them coming if you like what you're hearing. Uh, We are very, very appreciative. Before we get down to business, what have you been watching, Blake? We have been, again, not a lot separately, have we? We've been watching The Crown. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're so late to the party with The Crown. So we are very late to the party. But apparently, what I was always told, it's fashionable... No, it's cool to be fashionably late. (laughs) Is that right? I don't know. It's fashionable to be late. But as you say, it's cool to be fashionably late. You've got a hoodie zipped up to your chin. Shh, don't even say this. The hood pulled up. I'm chilly. I'm chilly. With your hair popping out at a weird angle. But no, we are late and it's okay to be late. Yeah. I'm enjoying it more watching it on our our terms. Yes. Like. Not because there are other fuckers watching it. Which is ironic because that's exactly what this podcast is about. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair. But no, I mean, people are obviously still watching because the newest series has just come out. But we've just we've just started season two, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And the new series coming out is kind of what's triggered us to to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. but I'm enjoying it. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, really, really good. Really, good. really, really fun. Don't know, obviously, how truthful it is because we're not um, royalist historians. No, we're not. But it's very entertaining. It's very well done. Yeah, it is. And I really like Claire Foy in it. It's the Queen and... Matt Smith. Matt Smith is uh, Philip. 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 (laughs) He's great in it. Together they're brilliant on screen. Yeah, they are very good. They're very good together. And that really is... um, Pulls you in as as a viewer, I feel. Them two specifically together. Yeah. And like Matt's... The only thing I'd seen Matt Smith in... Like he cropped up in an episode of... What did I say the other day? Oh, Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. Right, yeah. And Doctor Who. That's the only thing I've seen him in. I've not. I've not seen Doctor Who because I'm not. A, I'm not a fan, as it were. Whovian. Whovian. Um, but I am aware that he played the Doctor for a bit, a period of time. Yeah. But that's the only thing I know him from. I don't know him from anything else. Yeah, and it's quite. It's quite good because it's diff- obviously different character. He was sort of quite zany in Doctor Who. Yeah. Not that I'm a... But you know a bit, don't you? You've watched a bit I've in watched, and out. Yeah, yeah, I've watched quite a bit of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's cool. I watched some... I'm obviously familiar with some of the older ones, but not the newer stuff. That's yeah. Sure. Silver, I was like, Sylvester McCoy was my doctor. Yeah, yeah Peter Davidson. Yeah, yeah. Same era as me. Have you been watching anything else on your no, tops? No, I haven't. I've watched Bugger All. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. If I haven't been watching The Crown, I've been working. And if I haven't been working, I've been sleeping or walking. Um, oh, no. Oh. No. Well, we have just watched Nigella. Like, words fail me. I It was the box of licorice that did me in. It made me want a box of licorice. It made me think. I like licorice. 
what the fuck has gone wrong with my life that I don't have a box of licorice from around the world <laughs> somewhere in the house. Well, there you go. Maybe we need to up our game. Maybe we do. Don't we? Christmas presents. <laughs> Too late, I've got yours. <laughs> I, do you know what? I love Nigella because I think she's unapolog- unapologetically... Herself. Herself. Yeah. She just doesn't care. But at the same time, I am just like, I don't think you live in the real world, sweetheart. No, she doesn't. But that's okay. Her world is real. It's just really different to us. Yeah. Do you think she's friends with MPs? Don't know. I kind of think that's the world. She might be. Like, I can imagine Boris oh, yeah, announcing... <laughs> A lot of times talking about Nigella. <laughs> well, it's just what I've just watched. <laughs> it's just what I've Did just watched. Did not expect this to happen. It's the sort of thing I can expect. I, I can imagine Boris saying, is like, yes, you're all in tier two and three, but it's okay because I'm going to go home... And I'm going to sit with my Nigella. box of... <laughs> Nigella's licorice. Sweets from around the world. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Wow, okay then. Are you saying that Boris Johnson has intimate knowledge of Nigella's licorice box? I think he's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so swimming swiftly on to the film right. that we watched. Take us away from Nigella's licorice box. This week's experimental movie was North by Northwest. Do you have a synopsis, please? I do. Good. A New York City advertising executive goes on the run after being mistaken for a government agent by a group of foreign spies. Yeah, that's fair. That's all it needs, really, because it is quite a simple story. 1959 it was made, interestingly enough. Yeah. I say interestingly, I'll come back to that point later. So, as always, just going to go through the scores... And uh, I found a funny review Amazing. from Rotten Tomatoes, like I did last week. Brilliant. I can't promise these every week, but I will always try and find one that made me laugh or, or sm- smile. God to my knows face. what it could be. What's <laughs> kind of? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure it's about the film. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> we shall see. So anyway, IMDb uh, scores eight point three. Eight point three. Yes, yeah, it's pretty high. That is really high. Critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety nine percent. Is that good or is that... That's like amazing. And fan score 94%. So extremely high. Review that I found from a fan. (laughs) Two lines. Got bored, didn't finish. Now. I thought it was going to be Matey giving an update about his watch. No, I was was looking for a watch related one. Are you talking about a film or are you talking about sex? (laughs) And you've, put it on the, and you've put it on the wrong website to review it. Just saying. Because it was on that, that that was reviewed in October this year. There is one thing that we know about the world that it is going crazy. So maybe that person has some yeah, issues that exactly. they need to deal with. Yeah. Or maybe he was just having a solo wank and it was really boring. A solo wank as opposed solo to a group wank. wank. As opposed to a group wank. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> so yeah, suppose he was having a wank. And just got bored in yeah. the middle and was like, like uh, that's bored. Just, just on the background. Just to finish. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. That's the reviews. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, it made me laugh. I don't know if it made anyone else laugh, but I thought it was pretty good. Right, questions. What stopped you from seeing this movie? I probably went for the big hitter films, like The Birds, Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho. Okay, cool. So... It was lower on the list of his movies. Yeah, and I think that um, the other ones are kind of 
a little bit more sinister. Actually, yep. all the ones that I've seen of his are quite sinister. Yep. Yeah, this isn't as sinister, or it didn't seem as sinister. No, it's definitely more comedic than any of his other stuff. Yeah. That I've seen anyway. Yeah. That's for sure. Look, again, that is a point that I would like to raise later on when discussing the director. What was your <laughs> preconceived idea of this movie? Uh, I didn't really have one because I didn't know what the storyline was. Oh, really? Until we watched it. Oh, wow. Okay. So I knew that Cary Grant's character ends up on a train. And I thought he'd be going maybe a bit north and then coming back and going a bit northwest. <laughs> right, okay. So you thought it was a geographical film? About no, I just thought he would something would happen and he'd have to take a journey. Right, okay. Uh, and he would go north and then northwest. Okay, cool. I know you said don't be literal, but I'm like, that's all I've got. That's all you've got. Oh, and I know that he ended up kissing Eva Marie Saint's character okay, on a train. Cool. Yes, okay. How did you know that? that? Well, I've, I think my dad was watching it and that's the bit that I walked into awkwardly. Okay, cool. So then, the uh, opening scenes and setup of the story, yeah. how do you feel about it? It was paced really well. Yeah, great. It gets into the story quite quickly. So you, you see... Roger Thornhill, who's Cary Grant's character, um, is talking to his secretary or personal assistant and she gets in a cab with him because he's busy and he's going for lunch or he's going for a meeting with drinks, some people. Isn't he? He's going for drinks. drinks with his buddies. Yeah. And basically what happens is he gets mistaken for this George Kaplan character um, and gets kidnapped by two henchmen and taken to Philip Van Damme's house in who's, inverted commas. Yeah, who's pretending to be Mr Townsend. Oh yeah, he is. Isn't yeah, you're he? right. He goes actually, to the Townsend estate. We don't know estate. that he is at that we point. We don't know that Philip he's Philip Van Damme. Van Damme. Yeah. They think that he's George Kaplan, who is a spy. Roger Thornhill is protesting his innocence. Yep. They make him drink an entire bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I swear, right, so I think there's a little bit of a, a plot thing wrong and you notice it. Continuity. Yes. Because it looks like, if you when you watch that scene, it looks like the labelling in the bottle is a bottle of Perno. Oh, okay. Like, oh, I didn't notice I was that. Like, the label looks like the Perno label and the bottle was all like detailed like a Perno bottle. <laughs> <laughs> what was a Perno bottle. What did you just say? Perno bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I always thought was quite interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if that is a continuity thing, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed it. Mm, don't but know. Yeah. Can't say I did. Yeah. And then they're basically gonna see him off. Yeah, they want to his... make look like he's done a suicide or done of driving off the cliff because he was drunk. Done a driving off the cliff because he was drunk. Yeah. He goes. He's obviously pulled over by the cops for drunk driving. <laughs> yeah. They go. They take him into the cell, and he then appears in court. Yeah, and tells him the story of what happened. Yeah. Doesn't he basically? And then him and his mum, I mean, that was a bit bizarre, but okay, uh, his mum... <laughs> Do you know what, as well, like, I was, again, like, so I, like, it is weird that the person he calls, a grown man who's a success in advertising, calls his mum. I know. <laughs> and no one else. Yeah, but he, I suppose he's not in a relationship, so who would you call? I'd call my dad. I don't know, I'd, I'd probably, probably, I don't know, but I just thought it was very odd that he rang his mum. If you were arrested and you had a phone call, I'd call someone who could call? help me. No. <laughs> I would call someone who like, might be offering me some advice. Who would you call? Would you call your mum or your dad? It, give me a situation. 
Okay, drunk driving. Case of mistaken identity. You've been... Uh... Oh, God, I'm at it now. Identity. <laughs> <laughs> I have to call one of them. There's you no third option. You have to call option. one of them. There's no third option. You can't call, like, Jimmy or somebody. Who I'm you... call my dad because he... I call my dad. Because he drives? Yeah. So he'd understand. <laughs> that sounds like your dad's drunk driving, which he's not. No, but he'd, un... he'd be able to get to me. <laughs> It's true. Like, there's a practical element there. Yeah, there he is. He could get to me. I would call my dad because he's the next copper, so... Yeah. You, you've, got, you've got to get out of jail free card. I have indeed. Like, literally. Yeah. Yeah, so that those opening scenes, um, the first scenes where he's in the cab and his secretary's there, but kind of when he's on his way to that meeting, it sets him up really well because you can see that he's busy. He obviously likes the finer things in life. He's quite an important guy in his job. Yeah. And it's clear from the off that there's a real comedic element to the film. Yeah. Which is something you said before, but mm. I really wasn't expecting that. And I think that comes back, I and mean, we'll talk about this later, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. But it comes back to the films that I've seen already about Hitchcock, um, that Hitchcock's directed, and they've all been quite sinister. I think I've kind of veered towards the creepy, spooky films. Cool. So that leads us there nicely. Oh, there's more. St- there's more. There's more. Okay. Obviously, Alfred Hitchcock has a cameo in all his films. Yep. And he was trying to get on the bus, and kind of like just after the opening credits, which was cool. When he's locked in the library, he's so flazzed up. I don't know what that means. Let's hope other he, people. Like do. when they lock him in the library, and he's like, "I oh, don't rush. I'll catch up on my reading." He's like, "Not." He doesn't seem phased. He's not perplexed by it at all, is no, he? Well, he. He is, and he protests his innocence, but, like, I'd be panicking, whereas he was sort of, like, quipping, and... It's almost like Han Solo, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Han Solo's always sort of, like... Roguish charm. Oh yeah, I like it. Isn't it? Roguish yeah. charm, and that's that what Carrie Grant has. Drunk driving scene was really great, because I just thought it was really well acted. Yeah, it was good. Considering that you've you've got a person, you've got the camera on him and the car, and obviously he, he won't obviously be doing that. Um, oh, so we don't know for real for him to convey what was going on so well I just thought it was really clever so yeah the opening bits were that, I, I just thought it really set it up and cool. I was quite gripped and and I actually didn't make that many notes throughout the whole thing which probably shows you how drawn in I was story arc plot development through the middle so at this point he's basically been to the police station exploding what happened they let him go well, they no, go to the house. They go up to the town centre. Yeah. So, but like, basically, this is where it really gets going as yeah. well in terms of the story. Yeah. Um, they go back to the town centre estate, and they with make the out with yeah with the police. The woman that was there, that was Mrs. Townsend, makes out that there was a party, and that he'd just drunk loads, yeah. and it was all of his imagining and everybody was really concerned about him his mum he seems to hold her in quite high regard doesn't he but she she seems to kind of not put him down but she's very quick to admonish or diminish what he says so that starts to kind of sow those seeds of oh actually he's not really with it look you know, everybody there is just like, well, of course this guy's not trying to kill you don't be so stupid the woman at Townsend's home who was talking about the party, says that Townsend is a United Nations diplomat. Roger Thornhill so the, and his yes. mum go to the George M- Kaplan's hotel 
Yes. And they're looking in the room and it slowly it begins to transpire that um, but yeah nobody's seen Kaplan they don't know what he looks like so in order to try and get some answers um, Thornhill then goes to the United Nations General Assembly building to meet Townsend who is not the man that he met the night before no that was going down and while he's there talking to him one of the guys who is working for Van Damme throws a knife and Townsend is murdered. He kind of collapses onto Roger Thornhill. Roger Thornhill is like, no, no, what's happened? What's happened? And because he sort of pulls the knife out of his back, everybody thinks that Roger Thornhill has stabbed him um, and he flees the scene. It becomes like a double wanted story. You want by the yeah, police, but it kind of becomes like a mis- mistaken identity. Everybody thinks that he's yeah. a murderer and he's basically fleeing to try and find this George Kaplan yeah. to um, prove prove his innocence he yeah he gets on a train to um escape the police attention and he goes to chicago and he meets eve kendall who is very quick to help him yeah isn't she she is but we turn out we know why well you figured it out yeah i did so she's very quick to help him but it transpires that she knows george kaplan she's been in touch with him and she can get thornhill to him but we find out while on the train that she's actually working for Van Damme um, and she's basically a plant. She's there to kind of keep him, keep Roger Thornhill amused until they can they can get to him and, and do him in. Eve Kendall becomes the love interest on the train. They have quite an intense night together, if you will. It's quite an intense that, instant flirtation, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, in, instant sort of connection. When he's leaving Chicago, he's given um, instructions to go on a coach, to get off at this yeah. stop, and to wait for Kaplan to come and find him. So he basically gets off on this kind of long, typical American road uh, in the middle of farm country, and there's a crop dusting plane that's flying about, spraying chemicals, and that we see sort of cars approaching, and it's quite tense as to whether anybody's going to stop and get out. Um, and then somebody comes along, and they're waiting for the bus. Roger Thornhill goes over to have a chat with this passenger, and the passenger points out that the crop testing plane is not spraying where there are crops. crops. And then it becomes quite a cat and mouse sort of scene where the plane is actually flying and trying to knock Thornhill off his feet. Um, and he's sort of having to, yeah, he's sort of having to try and hide and dodge the, dodge the plane. Manages to flag down an oil tanker. Well, he, I'd say flagged down it, he stopped, he got he stopped, on the road, yeah. semi got run over by it. Yeah. And then the plane flies into the oil tanker. And then there's a big explosion. And there's a big explosion. Two cars and dri- stop. And he drives off and mate his van with a fridge in it. Yeah, that's and right. And the mate runs down the road all funny after. Yeah, he did. He, did. he ran like, for like quite a while as well, yeah, didn't he? It was like a proper, it was a proper like... He was going for it. Grumpy old man. Like, yeah. oh, even though he wasn't a grumpy old man. He reaches Kaplan's hotel. Um, and they find out that Kaplan had already checked out before the time when Kendall claimed that she talked to him. Yes. He also finds Eve, he confronts her. He tracks her to an art auction where he finds Van Damme is purchasing a Mexican artefact. Because we find out that what Townsend does, no, not Townsend, what Van Damme does, he trades, basically trades state secrets, which is why the, the government are after him. Oh, that's cool. I didn't pick up on that. I didn't really know what the big issue was. Oh, so yeah, was... so it was microfilms in the... In the in the statue and so basically i got what, the microfilm bit but i think that might have been when the lady 
I had a message come through and I got a bit distracted. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, it looks like he basically trades secrets and information. Yeah. Um, because that's why the government are after him. Um, at this point, have we found out that Kaplan isn't a real person? That, that oh, existed? yeah, we, yeah, we found that yeah, out. Yeah, so we, like, this, does he know at this point? I can't remember that at which point no, he... No, I don't think he does. I think that's only when he has the conversation with the professor. Right, so that comes a little bit later, yeah, after does. the hotel, doesn't it? Towards the end. Yeah. He finds out that... This Ka- feels like a mess. Kaplan wasn't real, and that it was all a setup to find Van Damme, isn't it? It was yeah. to track him down... Set her up so he follows him. Van Damme kind of leaves the thugs to deal with Thornhill at the auction and he disrupts the auction in order to escape. Is then released, released to the government agency's chief, who is the professor, who reveals that Kaplan was invented to distract Van Damme from the real government agent. Who is Eve Kendall? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Da, 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 da. Which you predicted very early Which on. I predicted very early on. Very well done. Yeah. Well Go done. Me. Um, and then, say, so moving on, sort of just to wrap up the film, because we'll go off on tangents again. The closing scenes happen at, effectively at Mount Rushmore. Well, they are at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. The, yeah, the final bit of the film uh, happens at the Mount Rushmore Visitor Centre. Thornhill has now agreed to play the role of Kaplan in order to aid Eve Kendall. He tries to negotiate Kendall to be turned over to him. Yeah. And Kendall shoots him. That's she shoots Thornhill and escapes. The gun was loaded with blanks. Obviously she had to shoot Thornhill to make it look like she wasn't in league with him, I guess. Yeah. And then the professor arranges for Thornhill and Kendall to meet and have a chat and Thornhill kind of finds out that Kendall is gonna go with him, um, and that there will be no happy after happy ever after for those two. So he tries to dissuade her from going but is knocked unconscious. Locked in a hospital room. He then escapes the professor's custody and he goes to rescue Kendall from Van Damme. We find out that the sculpture holds a microfilm. They figure out that Eve Kendall is working against them um, and they decide that they are going to kill her. Thornhill overhears this, manages to get into the house and tell Eve. Um, and then it's kind of like a race across Mount Rushmore to uh, avoid being killed. So, did you have a favourite character? Yeah, I think it's Roger Thornhill. That's fair enough. I just thought Cary Grant was... I, I can't actually remember how many Cary Grant films I've seen. Like, he's always played a romantic lead, which he kind of did in this, but that... Like the romance played second fiddle to the the government the espionage, yeah. and I, I just thought he was really great. I just thought he was really fun and yeah, just really cool. Yeah, he was. He's he's awesome in it. I've I'm not sure what I've seen of Cary Grant, but I know that I've seen this and it's awesome. Like yeah. he's amazing in it. Yeah. Like he's really cool. He's funny. Yeah. Like he's suave. Yeah. He's cheeky yeah do you know what i mean like yeah. there's, there's an air of cheekiness to him as well which i find really and he's really clever fits. yeah he's clever he's as clever. well yeah it's it's a really good it's a great character it's a really for good him. part for him yeah did you have a worst character uh i don't know worst character i'm not a big james mason fan right okay so i think yeah so van damme van damme for me yeah that's fair enough yeah i mean that's quite good you've like your favorite character was the hero your worst character was the bad guy there we go you know that's not a bad thing did you have a favorite scene that's quite a few actually so i really like the scene when he's in the lift with his mum quite early on after the henchmen go in with him yeah so they're they're leaving the hotel they found out that 
nobody's actually seen George Kaplan in this hotel and that all the instructions have been given over the telephone so nobody really knows what he looks like. Everybody in the hotel assumes that Roger Thornhill is George Kaplan. People are coming in to uh, take care of him, in inverted commas. So he, he, he gets his mum out of the hotel room, he goes to the lift and just as the lift going down arrives, the lift coming up with the two henchmen in opens they see Thornhill and they just go straight into the yeah. lift behind him. Yeah. And that scene is just fantastic because like it's a real fear for him. You can tell that he's he's trying to convince everybody what is happening. Yeah. Although he's kind of in control and he's managing it, he's scared that, you know, these guys are after him and it's a mistaken identity and he doesn't know what's gonna happen. When he says to them something like, Oh, you're not gonna kill uh, oh the mum says oh, you're not trying to kill my son, are you, or something like that. And they start laughing. And then the laughter eventually spreads throughout the lift and mm. everybody is laughing apart from Roger Thornhill. Yeah. It just works to really discredit him, make him look a bit nuts. Yeah. And actually kind of like belittle that fear. And you feel really uneasy for him. You know, it's really clear that he's the only one that's not laughing. Yeah. And I just thought that was so, so clever. Yeah, it was good. The other scene as well where just after Townsend's been stabbed at the UN Assembly building and he runs out, you see like a big aerial shot of like the building and yeah, you've got yeah. the cabs yeah. and the the pattern of like the, the tarmac and everything. It was so beautifully shot. He's so tiny, like Roger Thornhill is so tiny running towards that cab and you kind of get the feeling that all these surroundings and everything are just kind of like enveloping him and swallowing him up and making him feel really tiny he kind of looks like he's quite helpless and that was something that i thought was repeated quite a bit as well because they kind of played on that with the aeroplane there were quite a lot of shots where he was very very small yeah. and there was like a wide expanse of like landscape and sky and stuff and i just thought that was really clever really clever kind of motif to use to that's really, that's Enhance really... is his like vulnerability and his powerlessness maybe. Or... I've never seen that in this film. For you Aren't to you? take that away from it, that's really cool. It's a really good look at it because, yeah, I know what you mean. I never really chip in apart from favourite scene and a few bits of odd. But this was the first Hitchcock film I saw. Oh, really? And I saw it as a child. I'd say child. I remember watching it with my mum and she'll say, oh, this never happened because my mum's got a terrible memory. It was on on a Sunday afternoon, like randomly. I swear it was on BBC Two one Sunday afternoon. And ever since I was a child, the best scene was the aeroplane scene, by far, because it's the one, it was like the one big action piece in a way. Mm. And it's still my favourite scene. Because it's full it's, of menace. It's, scared, it's, it's like a, a little crop plane flying at you like that. It's, yeah, it'd be scary. i tell you what that reminded me of. And to some extent, the storyline is a little bit similar. Oh, it, it's not because it's not so much just mistaken identity. Um, but the 39 steps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, When yeah. Richard Hannay yeah. escapes to the Highlands and the... the so in the, which is the version that I like, the one with Rupert Henry Jones, who plays Rupert Hannay. Richard Hannay. Rupert Hannay. Yeah, Rupert Henry Jones plays Richard Hannay. And as he's kind of running and climbing over the Scottish Highlands to try and escape, there's a plane coming after him. And I just think there's something really menacing about a plane coming after yeah. a lone person. Yeah. But it's so big and it's so fast and you're yeah, so yeah. like little and like just made of meat basically so 
like how yeah coming at you yeah you can't do a lot about it yeah exactly so i so yeah that that scene is really menacing yeah no i i like your takeaway from it it's a really good outlook on how hitchcock set the tone my biggest takeaway on a rewatch actually you know this is just my this I, i don't have anything to back this up but i really noticed that editing clearly influences the way tarantino edits and cut scenes oh right like i was watching it and i was like that's re-, like it's not exactly the same because like i think tarantino cuts some of his cuts and scenes are really harsh and they're really like cut scene next scene like there's mm. a very distinct there's an influence in tarantino's editing taken from this film okay which i found quite interesting watching it this time that yes, that didn't even. But you know, this again, it's art. It's subjective. It's not. Not everyone's going to have the same takeaways. And I've not. Again, I've not seen it for years. You know, so it was interesting watching it again. Mm. You know, so far removed. I do think it is a weird dream of most people to get in a cab and to be able to say like one of the following things. So follow that car. <laughs> yeah, massively. Step on it. Yeah. Or I'm being followed. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, they're like rites of passage for like yeah. like for like sort of like any sort of suspense thriller film. It would be so yeah. cool just to get yeah. in and just be going like follow that car. Massively, I totally agree. And I seriously think like I think if you said that to a cab driver, I think they'd be like amazing. I've always wanted this to happen. Yeah. Well, I now maybe we should do that. How often that happens in real life? Maybe we should set that up. But when we go, well, let's just go out and do it. <laughs> like you can have a briefcase. And I'll wear, like, a wig and dark glasses and a trench coat because that's what you have to wear. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, we can make that happen. What will you be carrying in in your briefcase, licorice? Uh, uh, yeah, why not? Licorice from Sweden. Did you have a worse scene? Yeah, I didn't really go a bundle on the ending. So Eve Kendall has, like, fallen down. I think Mount Rushmore was a really great setting for it because it's so fucking creepy. Yeah. And actually, I'd been listening to a podcast where they were talking about Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount Rushmore. Count Rushmore, whatever. Um, they'd been talking about that earlier in the day. And they were saying that that's like, it's a bit weird. I, I just find it really, really creepy. Whoa. So, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. And obviously, at the end, like Eve Kendall has fallen down like a, a little kind of cliff face. Yeah. And Roger Thornhill is pulling her up and he's pulling her and pulling her up. And then all of a sudden it's like pulling her up onto the bed on the train. Yeah. On the sleeper carriage and they've got married. Right. And they have a kiss and that's the end of the film. Yeah. Which was really abrupt. I can see what he was trying to do there. It didn't really work for me. Fair enough. I would have liked a resolution to that situation. Right. Okay. And then they get married. That's cool. Cool. Okay. That's fine. I don't really have a worse thing. So. Also... I do just want to point out that when they're in the buffet car or the dinner car, she propositions him knowing that he's a potential murderer. Obviously, we know that now because she's an agent and she's kind of working to protect him. But we didn't know that at the time. So she basically just propositioned him, a known murderer, known in inverted commas, because she fancied him. Yeah, what's wrong with that? And he's also wanted for murder. Women can be powerful too. Come on, it's the 1920s. What? The 1920... It's 2020. Come on, get over it. (laughs) No, but I just think that's a bit weird. Why is it weird? Well, because he's he's murdered someone. How do you know he's not going to murder you? Do you know what I mean? But she's an agent, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we make of it. 
Because we get the story, we get it in the end. Right, you are now confusing me. No, I, I think that's weird. It's not weird. I think because it's weird. Because she knows he's innocent. She knows he's innocent. And him yeah, but dinner, he we doesn't know. know. He doesn't know at that point. So, like, if that was me and somebody was cracking on to me, knowing that I was a murderer, I'd be like, it's a bit weird. Or I'd be like, easy pickings. The minute your back's turned, off with your head. Do you see what I'm saying? No, no not you massively. Don't, do you? No. But I just like the fact, I liked the touch that he was, you know, wanted for murder, but he was very honest and paid for his dinner. Okay, that's cool. And I was so happy that it was on a train as well. Yeah, you have a train. So that leads us on to the score and soundtrack, um, which was done by Bernard Herrmann, who was an Oscar winner for The Devil and Daniel Webster, and he won a BAFTA for Taxi Driver by Scorsese. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The soundtrack, um, so the score was, I thought it was really good, but with some of these older films, sometimes the way sound technology is advanced, some some little things become a little bit jarring. I don't right. know if you noticed that. But overall, I think it really helped set scenes and tone and pace and tension. I think that that jarring quality that you're talking about, I think that's a key component. Of yeah, I think it might be. Hitchcock movies. Because if you think about Psycho, yeah. it's almost like it's an extra character sometimes. Rear yeah. Window as well. Yeah, I yeah, remember... Yeah. Totally... That was quite emblematic. No, yeah. that was quite symbolic of what was happening on the screen. Yeah, for sure, that's true. So I, th- I, I see what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's yeah, just a I think, Hitchcock. I think thing. you're right. I was just pointing it down to age. No, I think it's. Uh, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, no, that's right. Very good. Well but yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. You could reminiscent of Psycho for me. I had like elements yeah. of Psycho. So yeah, I liked it. That was good. Cool director in his other work so interestingly enough obviously we know Hitchcock Mm -hmm. but this film he made it in 1959 but the film before that was Vertigo and the film after this was Psycho oh wow so weirdly sandwiched between two of his more sinister films oh that is really odd yeah and I want I I would what I need to do is after seeing that and finding that out of the release dates and stuff it's to see if there was a reason for such a change. Yeah, in pace. In pace. Because if this film was made today, it'd be like The Rock would be the lead. It'd be a massive hit, blockbuster. Mm. You like Hitchcock, don't you? Oh, yeah, I love him. Yeah. I think he's great. What's your favourite? Mm, I think it's Vertigo. Okay. Well, it's probably The Birds. I do like The Birds. But the, I think the short story is better. I prefer no, the story. That's fair enough. I, I don't. Th- I don't know if critically, Daphne. the bird is was that well received. Actually, I'm not convinced. Did you see the thing? Oh, they did a dramatization on BBC Two Christmas a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, and it had Sienna Miller as Tippi Hedren, right, and Toby Jones as a Hitchcock, and it was like a dramatization on their relationship because he was. Oh, okay. I think he was like quite obsessed with Tippi Hedren. It was okay. really, really good and quite... I mean, Toby Jones is amazing anyway and does kind of creepy and sinister really, really well. Um, he's, got a little, he's got a sort of face and character that sort yeah, of Yeah, he's that, like... He? I tell you what, I could see him playing Churchill if he hasn't done already. He's too short. Well, we'll call off casting him for the film that we're going to make. 
where we need a Churchill, shall we? Okay. But he just like that face and character. Yeah. No, we watched fair. um we watched this movie called I think it's called Barbarian Sound Studio, where he plays a sound engineer in Italy. Hmm. He's gone over to mix sounds for like um like porn films, but all the no they're not porn they're horror. But the the horror is is kind of like bordering on like pornographic, and he's having to do things like cut into watermelons to like sounds, replicate yeah, the yeah. sound of people being like stabbed called? and stuff. But he's basically like he's alone in Italy and he doesn't speak the language, and it's just it's a bizarre little film. But um, is it good? Uh, I watched it with my dad, and I think my dad was a bit. Mm, what's this? Um, yeah, which is odd because my dad watched. If it's not a war film, dad, your dad's <laughs> like, oh, not John Wayne. Yeah, West, yeah Western. John Wayne. Your dad's not interested. No, it's it's interesting. I'd like to watch it again. I don't know whether that watching gave I gave it a fair trial on that watch. Okay. But yeah, he's made some some really weird and wonderful stuff, Toby Jones. But yeah, that's okay. a whole aside. But that that I can't remember what it's called. But it's it's worth watching if it comes on the telly again. He started his film career in nineteen twenty two and it finished in nineteen seventy six. It's pretty amazing, it's isn't pretty it? It's pretty epic. It's pretty epic for him. For anyone. Cinem- cinematic legend. There was a film he made called Frenzy. Yes. Which I really like. Yeah, and I do too. The the scene where Van Damme is they're in the auction. I think it's in the auction bit and he's I think Thornhill is there and he's talking somebody's talking about Eve Kendall being Van Damme's mistress or Thornhill's kind of saying something about like oh yeah she was very accommodating to me or something some it basically insinuated that they had sex or that Kendall was attracted to Thornhill and there's a really really great scene where you've just got Eve Kendall's face and shoulders and you can see um, Van Damme's hand on her shoulder and as you're hearing the words of Roger Thornhill insinuating that they've had sex and, and been intimate, you can just see Van Damme's hand leaving her shoulder. Yeah. And that was really well done. And it just kind of reminded me of the scenes, some of the scenes in Frenzy where the women are attacked. Yeah. And you kind of just get that close up of their face and you kind of don't really see anything else. But it's But it gives you enough. Yeah, it gives you enough. Yeah. And it's actually by focusing on the I think if you had them have, if you had Thornhill and Van Damme having that conversation in that scene, you detract from the the gravitas of what's being said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas actually, just focusing on Eve Kendall, she's actually kind of being talked about in not particularly pleasant terms. Mm. I think it has more impact by actually leaving out the people that are kind of doing the talking and just focusing on somebody who's kind of there and just passenger to what's to what's happening and it, and again in frenzy it sort of helped you just felt really helpless and like but that's really... what i think uh, he was so good at yeah setting a tone and yeah. setting like a feeling without giving you too much yeah he let you make your own mind up about yeah. what was happening yeah that's... he gave you he gave you an outline like psycho you don't you know, it's predominantly shadows that you see. Mm. It, it, it's it, in that scarier than the real thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. it, and that's what makes made him so great. I think is he yeah. played with your senses 
rather than giving you the obvious narrative on a plate. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah, that's what makes Hitchcock so... Hitchcock. Hitchcock so... Fact. My please. fact. Yes, please. Okay. Let's see if I know so. it. Ooh. You, sorry, that wasn't me. That was I'm sat on a stability ball, Ooh. and if I wiggle, she's it lying. <laughs> makes noises. She's got really bad wings. <laughs> Shut up. Not tonight, at least. So Leo G. Carroll played the professor. Yes, he did. And he's referenced in the theme tune to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. What? There's a lyric that says. Uh, to Leo G. Carroll was over a barrel when Tarantula took to the hills. And that's because Leo G. Carroll played Professor Gerald Deemer in the 1955 B-movie horror Tarantula. Really? Really. Wow. I didn't know that. That's it's amazing because I heard like Leo G. Carroll and I was like, Leo G. Carroll was over a barrel. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if it's that guy. And it was. Okay, cool. Very good. Thank you for that. I did not know that. You've outfucked me. Hey! Okay, so the question Did you fall asleep? No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Again, we put this film on at. at 8 o'clock. 8.08. Oh, precise. Well, 8.10. 8.10. And it is just over two hours long. It's two hours and 15 minutes. And you. I. You stayed awake. I was tired by the time we finished yeah, the film. Yeah, I could tell, like, the way you were sat, you were, like, sort of sat up, so you weren't sort of in a position to sleep, and I could Still see off. it, I could see it. So, well done. Thank that you. That means it's a good film. At least Thank it kept you. you entertained. So, next question's a bit redundant, because you didn't really have a pre We got judgment. on a train. Sorry? We got on a train. Are your pre judgments correct? We did get on a train, we and got we on went a train. northwest at the end, didn't we? Okay, cool. So, right. so are we saying yes for that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, final thoughts before the score, please. Uh, the CIA professor looked like the man from Up, <laughs> which is Leo G. Carroll. That was his character. Um, but it also reminds me of a man that I work with who looks like the man from Up. <laughs> and also, where did everybody get their tiny guns from? I don't know. They, they, they were like tiny, tiny little guns, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're little pistols, weren't they? They were so cute. I want one. Little pistols. Um, is that your final thoughts? Tiny gun and up man. Up man, yeah. Um, no, I just really enjoyed it. This was the best one that we've watched so far. Okay. Cool. Um, and I don't think it's my favourite of the Hitchcock movies because I do like a bit of creepy weirdness. Yeah, me too. Uh, with my Hitchcock. But still, I'm really glad that I watched it. I, I really liked it. And yeah, good good shout I, good film, I, I'm it? announcing this a fanboy win this week oh cool it's a good it's a good jaunt this film I think mm. it's a good adventure it's a good suspense comedy it's got a bit of everything yeah. and it's got a little bit of the twisted Hitchcock Hitchcockedness in it but not 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 like his other movies no finally you score out of ten please nine fucking hell <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah. Okay, 9 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, fine. Blimey. Okay, that's the highest one, yeah. I lo- do you know what? I love when I give these scores because you write it down on that bit of paper. Yeah. Where will that bit of paper be when we come to do it next time? In the bin? Yep. 
<laughs> Are you keeping no. track of those scores anywhere else? No. <laughs> oh yeah, on the podcast. Just get to the end. Got the scores. <laughs> um, it's an eight for me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I still love it. Oh gosh, is my nine too high then? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with nine. I'm gonna stick with a nine. So does that put things like Psycho and Rear Window at a ten out of ten for you? Long pause. <laughs> um. Yeah, I am gonna say yes. Okay. Cool. Because I think in, in the list that. I was of... just checking because this is so high. Yeah, in a list of favourite films, there there would be a few Hitchcocks in there. So cool. yeah. I'm all out of questions. Amazing. Have you got anything else to add? No, just thank you. It's really, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for watching it and That's staying okay. awake. I am as just as surprised as you. So yeah, so that's it for North by Northwest. Yeah. What are we watching next time? Oh yeah, we do that, don't we? We are going to go for. So I'll do that again. I don't know the breathing thing. Um, we're going to go with Boys in the Hood. Oh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep. Okay. Yep, and Ice Cube. Ah. Why have you picked this one? Because you haven't seen it. <laughs> what do you mean? Why have I picked this for why, next? Yeah, why? No, why, why is this film on the list? Uh, because it's awesome. It's a really good story. It's it was yeah. It's just a really it's just a really good film that I love. Okay. Good drama. Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Yeah. Don't want to say too much. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you heard it here first. Boys in the Hood is our next film. So, if you like what you hear. Please rate, review and share us about. Um, we could do with some ratings and yeah. a few more reviews yes, on please. Apple iTunes. So if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, just like, just pop over there and just, you know, give us a nice give Christmas a present. Give, give us a bump. That's something I never thought I'd be saying. If you have a hilarious or embarrassing movie related story, tell us. Please don't let this bit die on its ass. Come on. There must be some hilarious and embarrassing movie tales out there. So drop us an email at moviegrouchfanboypod at outlook.com. You can follow us on social media. We are at moviegrouch and fanboypod on Instagram and on Facebook. We are moviegrouch and fanboy. And that's with an ampersand because we just like to make things uh, difficult Which is really for cool. you. So that's it. Cool. Thank Anything you very else? much add no not for me i don't think i'm happy yeah i'm happy as well uh, i've really enjoyed this one this week actually it's been fun yeah it was i i'm glad glad finally i know only three episodes in of films but mm -hmm. i'm glad we've got a, a high scoring film yeah now. that's that's it's really cool it's it's good so yeah. I'm, I'm pleased awesome. we'll see where it goes next yeah um we have some exciting news in that we have a new member of the team joining us in T minus nine days, 
10 days? 9, 10 days? 8. 8 days. So um, when they arrive, we will introduce them on social media. So see, you need to go and join the social media so you don't miss that. That's it from me. And me. So and says, you. And me. And me. And, and you. you. Brilliant. Great. Thanks, that's going to be a nightmare to edit. Thank you very much. So yeah, stay safe, stay positive, and thanks for listening. Indeed, thank you very much. Be lucky, people. Bye. Bye. I was going to say something along, he's licorished her box. Oh, But that's dude. not fair. You can edit that out. Yeah, I please, will, please. thank you. <laughs> No, whoops. I just got pointed at. I have my phone on. Sorry, everyone. It's on Do Not Step. Good. So, yes, please. Yeah, 1959. So, ask me that again. <laughs> Edit that out. This is going well. Yeah, it is going well. I need to adjust my ball now. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Right. Stop in camp. <laughs> Bloody Jeffro and Denzel. What are you? Oh, we didn't mention Martin Landau. Oh shit, yeah we did. Oh, Martin Landau's in it and I always remember him from Land of the Giants. Land of the Giants. He was in Land of the Giants, wasn't he? Um, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> he was. I don't know, I don't remember. Mission Impossible. Oh, that Martin Landau. Yeah. I knew he was in Mission... Uh... I'm sure he was in Land of the Giants. Oh, that land of the giants. Oh, maybe not. What the fuck am I thinking of then? I'm not, no, I'm thinking of him in Mission Impossible. Not the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible because I would not watch that. Although, what was the one that I walked in on the end of the other day? Was it Ghost Protocol? Rogue Nation. What? Rogue Nation. What are you talking about? Mission Impossible. What was the one that you were watching the other day with Henry Cavill in? Fallout. Sorry. Stop saying random things to me that could be, could or could not be a film. No, like Rogue Nation was the one before. Fallout was the one I watched the other day. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Yeah. That's not, that's not a film. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. Fuck it is. <laughs> 2015-ish, that one was. Oh, right. Fallout was 2018. Okay, well, I don't have anything to say now. Cool. We're talking Is about there anything else we need to add?